Eric Averill, and I'm joined by my partner Brandon Averill today. Disclaimer, Eric Averill and Brandon Averill are the co-founders of AWM Capital. Due to industry regulations, it's essential to explicitly state that investment or strategies mentioned on this podcast may not be suitable for you, and you should discuss your specific situation with a qualified, certified financial planner. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of AWM Capital or its affiliates. For more information, visit athleteceo.com. Hey there, Athlete CEO listeners. I'm your host, Eric Averill from Athlete Wealth, and you're listening to the Athlete CEO Podcast. Each week, we aim to bring you world-class interviews with some of the brightest and successful entrepreneurs, athletes, and business minds today, sharing actionable insight on how to get more out of your business, finances, and life. You won't be hearing any vague theory or strategies from us. Our guests have walked the walk and are committed to sharing the best of what they know so you can apply the lessons they've learned. Whether you're an athlete, entrepreneur, or just looking to hear from some crazy successful guests, this podcast is for you. Now enough with the intro, let's dive into today's show. Welcome to the Athlete CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Averill. On today's show, we have an opportunity to listen into a conversation that I had with my close personal friend, Scott Donnell. Scott is the founder and CEO of Apex Leadership Company, which was recently ranked the number one franchise in their category by Entrepreneur. Since 2011, Apex has raised more than $50 million for 2,300 schools across 26 different states, ultimately being able to serve over 2 million students. Apex builds powerful leaders while raising more money than previously possible for schools Apex combines fitness, fundraising, and leadership into a powerful united event that builds both funds and students' character education. A few of Scott's most impressive accolades include being sued for a million dollars a week after starting the company, my personal favorite, appearing on the FBI watch list for finger rockets, and then ultimately selling his company for millions of dollars only to repurchase it within a year and have to start all over. A few things that you're going to be able to take away from today's show are first, how can you make both an impact and a profit, not just one or the other? Second, what makes somebody an attractive investor beyond just having money? And then third, what are the hidden details of investing in franchises and how to make sure that you're the one who makes money, not just the franchisor? So let's not waste any more time. Let's dive into my conversation with Scott Donald. Well, Scott, really appreciate you uh, taking the time today to to share your story with us. Um, It's something for me, it's beyond just the personal relationship we have. It's you're one of the few individuals um, that I see demonstrate really what it means to have success in all aspects of life, right? You know, a lot of the times in the, the business world, uh, we'll see guys that have a lot of financial success, but sacrifice their their personal success. And I think um, just what you've demonstrated early on with you and Amy has been super impressive to watch. So something that I wanted our athletes and entrepreneurs and everybody to kind of hear your story. So really appreciate yeah. you being on the show. Excited to be here, man. It's going to be great. 
Great. Well, I thought a, a great place to start um, is a little bit of background. You know, is the podcast is Athlete CEO, and here we are again with it, with another athlete. And for you, you were a college All-American tennis player. So walk me really through that transition of doing something your whole life competitively to attain a, a goal, and then all of a sudden it's over. <laughs> talk, yeah. talk to me about that. Yeah, it's, it starts fast and ends faster. Um, and if you, you can call me an All-American if you want to. I'm more of an academic All-American. <laughs> um, okay, that, okay. That threw in some sports along the way. Um, so I went to Whitworth up in uh, Washington. Okay. Played tennis, actually played all the sports. Thought I was going to play baseball in college. Uh, ended up playing tennis because I, was, I went to state in both, did really well in both. Ended up getting scholarship for tennis as well. And two of my buddies were playing tennis. So I thought, gotcha. eh, I'm going to go that route. Plus, you know, I had a really good shot of playing a ton. And, get, and then we had one of the best coaches in the area. And so went that route. Um, kind of shot off like a rocket. Uh, we played a ton. Um, and in my junior year of college, I was scheduled to be top in the conference and just flying through. I mean, it was it was no D1 crazy, going to go pro kind of thing, but yeah. uh, I was athletic and academic All-American, and I tore my ACL skiing three weeks before the season, like the huge season, the middle season, basically being an idiot, and uh, that right there was it. So I, I came back, I mean, I rehabbed, I played again my senior year, did really, really well, but not even close to where I would have been had I had junior year involved and everything like that. So, but I loved it. I mean, I love being an athlete. I love the academic side of college. Um, I think if you're going to, if I'm going to be honest, the academic side has gotten me a thousand <laughs> times farther than the athletic side ever yeah. could. Uh, which is funny because most a- athletes, whether they played pro or not, like they want to have a, everyone I've talked to in the business world, they want to make sure they have a longer lasting like financial life, you know, lifetime. So not just playing sports for a while, but actually having good acumen in business, good emotional intelligence, um, ability to make cash flow with their skills for decades, not just until some knee injury takes you out or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think we'll, we'll jump into that a little bit later, but something you hit on there is having that sustainable cash flow regardless if your athletic career is over, Absolutely. you know, which Absolutely. takes skill sets to do that. And that's really the goal with, with this podcast is to interview successful individuals like yourself to say, how do we help athletes making that transition out to develop those skills? So, uh, you know, you leave college, walk us through a little bit of the career path, and then, you know, we'll talk talk more about your experience at Acton MBA. So bring us up to speed of, of, you know, those next steps after college. Yeah. So I'll give you the kind of the quick elevator version leading up to Apex, which is yeah. what I run now. Um, got out of Whitworth and it was in 2008 okay. during the <laughs> financial crisis. Yeah. Everybody around me was losing money left and right. And, uh, I actually was, I was either going to be going to be going to the ministry field or I was going to be an entrepreneur. I didn't know which one I wanted to do. And we started this little organization, um, to help refugees wow. that, cause they were coming in droves into Spokane at the time, like 10,000. And we were like, okay, we got to figure this out. Well, about a week into doing that, I realized I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to be no good to anybody unless I learn the business side. Yeah. And so I ended up going to grad school for entrepreneurship down okay. in Austin, Texas. It's called the Acton School of Business. 
What unbelievable program. It's a one-year intensive um, MBA, 100 hours a week. Um, at the time, if you passed, it's free. If you fail, it's 50 grand. And everybody's ranked. They only allow like 40 people in. And the bottom third has to fail. And the top wow. two-thirds pass. So it is every word you say is ranked. There were no textbooks. It was all case-based. Um, the founder's a, a wonderful mentor of mine, brilliant businessman, billionaire oil and gas guy. Every single teacher at the school was um, a multimillionaire many times over in business. And so school started at 6 a.m., so they go run their business. They're not just teachers. They, they work. Yeah, they're actual um, practitioners. Yeah, and as an entrepreneur, I, I, it's hard for me to, to learn from people who just teach and don't do. Yes. And so that's what attracted me to the program. I mean, we were going door-to-door selling for wow. a grade. like the top five of you pass and the bottom three fail kind of a thing. Uh, we were cold calling CEOs to sell them like, I don't know what it was, DVD, raw, I don't know. Things. Oh my goodness. We, were, we made assembly lines and call centers. We actually pitched a real business. The winning team got a hundred grand to launch it after we graduated from the program. And our team won. I mean, it was crazy. Um, but I learned a ton of real world skills there that did me really, really well. And so, and I'm still connected to the program. Yeah, but in that program we did this thing called a uh, uh, brainstorm you. Okay, where they basically grill you for the whole class grills you on things that you love to do. What are your um, your skills, your passions, and the care? What do you think are the biggest needs of the world? And where those three things collide, I call that a calling, and they call that a, a, the perfect business to jump into or create. So, what are you best at? Okay, what do you love to do? Those aren't always the same thing. Yeah. Sometimes people suck at things that they love to do. Right. So you got to be something that you're good at, something you love to do, and then what are the biggest needs of the world? And where those collide, that's <laughs> that's a calling to me. And at when I did that program, I realized I wanted to be in education. I wanted to you know work with youth. I love business. I love thinking through business strategies. I mean, I'm the guy who goes to the restaurant and I want to know their margins. I go get a printing deal done. I want to think how, you know, how much excess inventory do they have? I go to this, you know, wow, this, you know, movie theater has 18 extra seats here. I wonder what they could do to fill that. I mean, I'm always thinking that way. Right. So I knew I should have been an entrepreneur from early on. I mean, my first business was third grade. I was selling bead geckos. (laughs) And then I uh, actually... I had all my friends make the bead geckos for a quarter, oh, and I'd geez. sell them for a dollar, and I got suspended in third Did grade. Did you really? Because I had all my friends. They weren't at lunch or recess. They were making my bead geckos. Hey, and so, can't have real life education nope. get in the way of traditional education. That's right. Right? You know, I had to be the cookie cutter. <laughs> yeah. So I, I knew I wanted to be in entrepreneurship. I loved um, kind of, I always gave tennis lessons and you know, worked, loved working with kids. So all that stuff sort of came together. Yeah. And so then when I got out of, of Acton, I, I knew I wanted to be in that field. And then sort of through a series of events, um, met my wife now, um, up in Seattle. Okay. And right after we, uh, met, she basically spent a bunch of money on her students. She was a first grade teacher at the time. And I, you know, quickly thought, well, that's like a paycheck. She spent like five, 600 bucks. The more we looked into it, the more we realized that's normal or right. low in the industry. And that's, that's a lot of money for a teacher. And so we looked around and said, how do we help them? And that's really what created Apex. Uh, we used to be called Apex Fun Run. Now we're Apex Leadership Co. 
Um, this is about eight years ago now. And so um, we basically started a company to help her school raise a bunch of money. And it's a leadership, it's a fitness program, it's a two-week kind of a deal where we bring athletes into a school, college athletes right out of college, young, fun, energetic guys and gals. Everybody has nicknames. Super fun. It's like a two-week leadership program. Kids raise a bunch of pledges for the big run. Now we do servathons as well, but it's a huge fitness event. And then the school raises about 50000 bucks wow. at our program. And then we get a cut of it, cover our costs, make a few thousand bucks, and move on. Wow. So that's basically the model. And we, and we did that. It was back in 2011. And it shot off like a rocket. I mean, we exploded. We went from, from one to three teens. Um, we were at 100 schools by like the middle of year two. Wow. In four states. We started franchising it in uh, the end of 2012, early wow. 2013. And uh, we've been on Entrepreneur Magazine, Top 500 list, um, the eighth fastest growing franchise in the country last year. Um, yeah, we're about 30 states now. So it's been pretty crazy. We've got about 2 million kids almost that we've served. 2 million. Yeah. That's unbelievable. So about 50 million uh, raised for the yeah. school. So you mentioned Entrepreneur Magazine, you know, is something I was reading. You guys were rated number one franchise in your category. Mm-hmm. You know, that's obviously a, a testament to your guys' success. One of the interesting things that I'd love to hear you speak more about is kind of in society, sometimes there's this belief that um, to do noble things uh, are mutually exclusive from profitable things or yeah. business things. And here you are marrying together fundraising so so helping schools or organizations to raise money a leadership development piece to it yep. you know which most people would throw into this nonprofit world right, right. and then you're talking about franchises and right. for most people you know they think McDonald's they you know they think those type of franchises talk to me how i mean was it an easy model for you to create and how do we as a culture get over this mentality that those type of things have to be separate? Yeah. So I, I think it's our world is so backwards on this. It's unbelievable. I mean, why does the guy who creates a video, a violent video game <laughs> and makes 50 million bucks, why does that guy get on the cover of Wired magazine and teachers are making 35K a year? Yeah. Right? Our world is so backwards. And so when we started this thing, we wanted to make sure we set this up to where smart, educated, um, incredible businessmen and women could join this organization and have a huge financial upside while they're able to give back. Because I really do believe the workers worth their wages. We need to be making enough money for our families to put food on my kids' table, to have a retirement planning for the future. Um, And our society takes money away from those who need to do it the most right. and puts it in the pockets of people who might not be adding very much good to society. Yeah. And so for us, we wanted to build a model that was incredibly valuable to the education system. I mean, we are competing against product sales, like cookie dough, right? right. Catalog sales. When you and I were kids, we'd go door to door. Wrapping paper. Wrapping yeah. paper. Well, yeah. those companies take like 70% of the money. Oh my goodness. Nobody knows this. We come in, we give the majority back, we do a hassle-free program with a team of people. Um, the school nets twice as much money with us than wow. any other program in America. And they get a huge $10,000 leadership program with it to boot. And so you add all that together. I mean, we're, that's why we're growing yeah. like a, you know, a weed. It's crazy. Yeah. So we're doing incredible good 
in in our communities, and it's so tangible. I mean, we get asked for autographs every day. The parents come up to us at the fun run, like in tears. Yeah. Um, last year, we did a fun run for a girl who missed the fun run the day before because of chemo. Oh we came goodness. back the next day. We put the whole blow-up tunnels and sound systems and cones and tents all together just for her. Yeah. And she got pushed in a wheelchair all 36 laps, and the whole school came out and gave her high fives the whole time. It was the coolest moment of my business career. Yeah. I'm like, it's all worth it right now yeah. for this very moment. Like we're doing incredible good. And I, I believe you should be rewarded for that. percent. Not just, you know, with love, but financially, yeah. I think that that's important to think through in business. And I think our world needs to kind of double take that. Cause I, I can't tell you how many, how many times that I've tried to help out some nonprofit or group and they ask, you know, is this for free? I hope this is free. <laughs> you know, you got to do it pro bono to be yeah. able to do any good in society. I really don't believe that. Model. Yeah. Yeah. And now you've been able to take that model that was originally started just with fun runs to now organizations being able to do kind of anythons, right? Yeah. Talk about maybe some of the other ideas that you've partnered with organizations to run money because this is this is such an interesting thing to me of with our clients, right, that that have their own nonprofits or their own foundations. Right. Such a big thing is is how do we raise money? Right. And it's the typical let's do a golf tournament, let's do a silent auction. A gala. A gala. It cost you fifty grand to put it on. Right. A ton of work, little return. I mean right. just what's the solution? Obviously you're having a lot of success. What are some yeah. of the other models you so, know, that you've done? Yeah, that's a great question. So for us it started with schools. Mm-hmm. Um, great for elementary schools, and then we launch into middle schools. We do color battles with middle schools. Um, and then people started to ask us hey, your team was incredible. You guys raised us, I mean, double, triple, quadruple what we've ever yep. made before. Can you help out my kids' soccer team? Can you help out the lacrosse group or the basketball group? Or we have this nonprofit Young Life deal and we don't want to put on the big rubber chicken dinner. Yep. What can you do for us? And this was one of those 3 a.m. moments. I woke, I literally woke up in the middle of the night and it hit me, anything. And so we created a model where what we what we built was for schools. The kids get pledges for every lap they run. Right, right. So if you know, grandma's like, "Oh, that's awesome. Here's five bucks a lap." Well, then Timmy goes out and runs thirty six laps, and grandma just all of a sudden paid one hundred and fifty bucks. Right, and she's happy because he earned every dollar of it. Right, and so it's this sort of transactional way of fundraising that we found out raises a lot more money, and it's fun. It the people that are participating have a blast, and they're not just asking for money; they're earning it. We created that with Anything, so it's not just per lap anymore. You hmm. can get per goal, per free throw. Right. Right? Um, you get 100 free throws, see how many you can make, per uh, hole for a golf marathon. But right. we actually track it. Instead of having to have an Excel sheet and tell everybody how you did, we actually track it automated. And so you put your wow. credit card in, and then it charges them right at the just end. Just charges it right at the end. Yeah, and that's also blown up because not just the schools need to raise money, but all the sports teams, all these nonprofits want to do bowl and... We just had a group in Colorado do a ski-a-thon where they raised $40,000 with like 15 people or 20 people. Oh my they did goodness. a bunch of ski runs in a day, and they got pledges for every run they could do in the day. So just we had, we've had 20 weight loss-a-thons. Oh, my goodness. Just had a couple lose. They lost 34 pounds, each of them, and they raised enough money to adopt their child. That was their goal. Wow. So just it, we call it activity-based fundraising. Okay. So if you want to you know, raise money for medical costs or funeral costs or emergencies, go to GoFundMe. 
right? That's Brad. That's our friend, right? Yeah. Um, but if you want to do event-based fundraising, if you want to do a, a, a meaningful community builder that's fun and active and right. get a group of people together to do something, that's where you go to Anything. Wow. So now our franchisees, they don't just sell to the schools in their territory. They also sell to the sports teams, clubs, churches, nonprofits, even businesses. We've had CrossFit gyms raise money. We've had businesses do like a cyclothon where how many miles could they bike in a day yeah. as a team. So they're really just fundraising for all sorts of groups. Man, what a what a great model. So you've, you've made it kind of seem like it, it's just been easy, smooth sailing <laughs> from, from college to here, right? Like, hey, easy it's, peasy. It, it's easy. You know, you just have a concept, figure out what you're passionate about and uh, what your skill set is, and then you oh create multi-million gosh. dollar businesses, right? So, yeah, right. Obviously, you know, there was an interview that I read um, that you said the primary advantage from acting was just playing grit. So, yeah. you know, we'll talk a little bit about that, but but give us the the nitty gritty details of, of Apex. You know, you shared some oh, some man. huge hurdles and obstacles <laughs> that you've overcome. You know, talk to our listeners about yeah, just even a, a few of them. How you started uh, that you were sued for a million dollars a week. week after you launched. Yeah, talk to me. Well, all right. So it has not been easy. Um, any good endeavor is paved with crazy trials and obstacles and I'm thankful for them because they're almost like a notch right yeah every time you overcome an obstacle you get better every time our competitors do something against us we learn from them right you know there's and I think this really connects to athletes because as an athlete you can have this mindset where there's no you either win or you learn Hmm. right you you only fail if you just give up yeah that's it you you cannot fail if you don't give up and so for us, you know, our goal, there's been so many crazy things that have happened. I mean, we have been through the ringer. Yeah, we got sued by our number one competitor for a million dollars right after we started because they caught wind of us. It's their strategy. They did it to another company and put them under. Wow. And we've, our, our lawyer at the time, she was like, yeah, you, uh, you guys should think about folding. They have a lot of money. And I don't do well with that. <laughs> so I fired her. And I uh, found a lawyer who said he was 73 years old at the time. Um, on the East Coast, his name was Ron, and he doesn't like bullies. He said, "Give me five grand, and I'll have this done in a week." Oh my goodness! And he went guns blazing. He was like, "Not only are you guys going to lose this suit, it's all bull. It's not going to fly. Yeah. But you're going to pay our legal bills. These guys aren't giving up." And basically punched back even harder. Wow! And we basically sat down and negotiated a truce, and here we are. Um, we basically told them, we're going to be in this marketplace and we're probably going to be the biggest thorn in your side you've ever seen. Yeah. So now it's us and them as like the biggest two companies in America. At the time, maybe they had a hundred schools. Now we've got, you know, thousands between all of us, maybe oh three, 4,000 schools in 35 states. It's yeah. just crazy. So, you know, that, that's kind of, you got to be able to have a lot of grit to persevere. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, just overcoming different obstacles. We had a web developer we paid a bunch of money. It was like twenty grand, and she just she disappeared off the face of the planet. She was in Albuquerque, and then she was gone. We it's couldn't gone. track her down or anything. We had I ordered twenty three thousand flying monkeys from China, and because <laughs> it's a prize the kids get, right? Yeah. And then uh, it shows up 
And the samples they sent us had nothing to do with reality. Oh, boy. They had had a bunch of people sitting around stitching these things together, and they were cross-eyed. Oh, man. They wouldn't fly. Like, they're the ones that you fling, and then okay. they go... <laughs> <laughs> and so you'd pull it back, and then the rubber would break and hit you in the face. The face. Oh, so that just was a, a disaster. Huge disaster. We ordered... Uh, because we, now we use a promotional company. We've wised up. We have a great promotional company, um, Express Promotions out of Wisconsin. And they house you know millions and millions of dollars worth of shirts and prizes. So we give everything to our franchisees. Okay. That's the cool part. They sign up. We give them all the web training materials. They get all their shirts and prizes and printing from us and web everything. So they just have to go work with the schools and manage the relationships. Wow. It's a great deal. Um, and we give them terms on everything. I mean, it's a... It's a wonderfully run, and I don't even do much. Like, the team we have yeah. in charge is unbelievable. But at the time, we were trying to do it when we started back in the day, trying to buy everything ourselves. Oh, my goodness. We got a bunch of uh, foam rockets, those little finger rockets that yeah. you can fly, fling. And uh, they get to the bill of lading in L.A., the port, and it says rockets on the side oh of all boy. these boxes. Oh, boy. And we get flagged as a terrorist this, threat. Oh. And so I have to go meet with the FBI to tell them, no, these boxes yeah, are, these for, are kids. for kids. <laughs> They're not a bomb. And who would write rockets yeah. Yeah. on the side of an actual bomb? Like. Yeah. Not to mention they're like half a pound for this giant box. Yeah, it's like the TSA, man. Right. That's hilarious. So there's just a million crazy oh stories. Oh, my goodness. I actually started the company with three other athletes. Yeah. One of them was a pro golfer okay. for, for uh, nine years. Uh, two of them um, out of Texas um, okay. went to um, Baylor, quarterback for Baylor. Uh, and then another good friend played baseball for the Horn Frogs. Yeah. Um, and so we all launched this together. And in the first six months of the business, all three of them had crazy things happen. One of them, their other business tanked and they had to go help. Their, one of them, their other side gig took off and they had to go help. The other one had some personal health and family stuff go on, had to back off and gave them their money back. Anyway, needless to say, within six months, I basically am holding the keys to this thing. And... You know, they all did really well. They all made, you know, 10 times their money back already, but they became minority owners and I had to take the reins and go with it. And so wow. in business, really, it, it, you have to have the grit and the perseverance yeah. to never give up because wow. there's always an opportunity. Yeah. Right. Because I'm one of those guys where people's like, is that the hardest? Is that the, the, the best you could do? Right. And I'm like, well, I don't know, because there's always more I can do. Yeah. Maybe it's my type A or. Yeah. But I think a lot of athletes struggle with that same question. They're like, I could have done more. Yeah. But in a way, that attitude gets you ahead in business. It really does. Because most people just want to put enough effort in to get the minimum done. Right. But the best people, my best franchisees that are really killing it, they're always doing one step ahead. They're going the extra mile. They're finding the little things that they can do right. to serve and have a better business. Yeah. And they're just rocking it. And and we'll jump back to maybe some of, some of the other questions. I know it, at one point you sold the company and, and ended up uh, part of it, part of it, yeah. And and uh, having back. having to take it back over. But uh, before yeah. we return there, you started to hit on something of, you know, the type of franchisees that you're looking for. You know, one of the things that we see with our clients or just investors in general is a lot of times there's this mentality that just because I have money. 
I have a right to get in on a deal, right? right. And so with right. your situation, you know, th- there's this franchise model where you were sharing earlier. For some franchises, the way they make money is just off the initial the right. initial fee. Right. That's not your guys' model. It's much more aligning in the self-interest of saying, you know, offer this royalty deal. Yep. So you need your franchisees to make money. So right. talk about, you know, why money's not just enough and, and what you're looking for in the right partner. Yeah, so we're highly selective. Um, and that would be my first piece of advice is, is if someone's just slinging deals and, yeah. and they make their money off of people buying a franchise or starting a bunch of restaurants or, you know, locking up a six area license or, you know what I mean? Right. Those people are most likely great on the front end and bad on the back end. Okay. You got to be very careful of those types of businesses. A lot of bricks and mortar businesses can be that way because they make a lot of money when somebody decides to spend a million dollars and build a facility. Right. Um, our business, we really care about the long term and we don't really make any money on the upfront fee. Okay. So, and, and that's, we actually do it on purpose because I want to make sure it's a mutual win. If they're doing well and they're successful, then I'm making good royalties and I'm doing successful. Right. And so for us, I mean, the entry fee means nothing. It's a, really about getting the right partner who's the right fit um, they have the right acumen, the right personality, their funds are correct, their family's in a good situation. I mean, all of those things affect your success in a business. And so we, we, we weed out a lot of people to get yeah. to the right people. And it's not easy. It's, it's really not because some, some businesses want to take everyone with a pulse because they just want their money yeah. or their name um, so that they can go sell more to someone else. Right. Um, we have to be very, very selective, find the right partner. You have to have a heart for kids, wanting to give back to your community. But then also, you are really good at sales. You understand a P&L. You can uh, mentor young people, right? You want to build up right out of college guys and gals and grow them into team leaders and managers and maybe even have them run your franchise or launch another franchise nearby yeah. that you can partner with them on. Like, we love those mentors. Like, our mission is to build leaders as a company. Apex Leadership Co. Build leaders. That's our number one mission. So yeah. I want to find people that are building mentors and they're they're mentoring and building the people around them at all times. My number one franchisee, um, she's incredible. I mean, she's absolutely killing it in this business. Better than I ever thought someone would do. Yeah. But she also has four uh, employees who have now grown up to own and run their own franchise. That's fantastic. And she's a part owner with some of them. Some of them just went off and did it on their own. But all of them point to her as like the number one reason and, and thankful to her wow. for kind of launching them out. Wow. That's the kind of people we look yeah. for. So what you, you kind of hit on there is the other thing that we see a lot of times from from athlete communities is, hey, I have money and, and my name means something. Yeah. We were talking offline that, that you've come across situations like that where you have an individual that thinks, hey, my name's going to yeah. make this successful. You know, talk through that and sure. what advice would you give to an athlete that says, you know, I want to do franchises. My name should carry the weight. What's the, what's the true expected result? Yeah, and I don't want to burst any bubbles here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to be careful. Yeah. Because sometimes a name does help in the exact right situation. Okay. Um, you know, we some one of our franchi- we have several franchisees that have been pro. Uh, one of them is uh, c- currently a, a coach uh, in the NBA. Incredible uh, guy. Love him to death. But 
a lot of times in business, um, name doesn't necessarily uh, directly relate to dollars. Okay. Like I said before, acumen, emotional intelligence, ability to sell and connect, running a tight ship, having great people. Those are the things that 100 to 1 are going to make you money long term. Okay? And in fact, I will credit this franchisee. They, they just haven't had time to put in and they thought their name could do everything and it really didn't. Right. Um, and we warned them of this, but the name didn't really get you a bunch of schools in our business. Now, they love it if someone can come to a pep rally and fire it off and I mean that right. raises you know five ten thousand dollars more that is great right but um, you've got to be really careful when someone comes to you and says oh my gosh this is going to be the easiest thing since sliced bread you pay the money up front um, and it's what they I think in the industry in the franchising world people call it a passive income business right where you can just pay it and and watch the checks come in that is a rare unicorn that hmm. I've never seen Okay, and trust me, I I know hundreds of other CEO yeah. entrepreneur franchisors. Right, right. I'm friends with the guy who started Subway a few years ago. When we sat down, he told me that our company was six times more valuable than a franchise of Subway oh because of how much money we can make on the money we put in versus wow. putting in hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to build a a unit. Right, that cash right. flows is maybe over three or four years. Yeah. Our people can make their money back super fast with a lower investment and then roll that into more and more and more. Right. So, But we meet all these guys. We all get together at conventions. We help each other figure out you know, what are the best ways to serve our clients, get franchises, get the right people, not the wrong people. So we all talk about this. And I'm telling you, if someone tells you, it's oh, it's a passive income deal, set it and forget it. Envelopes come with money in the mail every yeah. month. I mean, it's a it's a unicorn. And if yeah. you do if you do find one, email me. Yeah. I'd love to capture it. Yes. Study it. <laughs> replicate it. Yeah. So that's what you really got to be be careful yeah. of. Um, and yeah. that, that's great. I think that's great. And I thank you for sharing that because for the athlete community specifically, franchises are one of the investments that are dangled out there exactly what you said it's mailbox money it's passive income you know it's 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 a beautiful story it's kind of you know the the rental income of uh of rental homes it's pitched in the same way that hey you throw some money at it it's easy breezy money's going to show up in your mailbox and we know that's just not true right if you were you know so if you're speaking to someone who's still currently playing sure is your type of business is is it something they could be the right fit for now or is it something they need to wait till after their career is it partnering maybe with somebody else so that there is the name brand and it's more of a yeah. having somebody who could run it on a day-to-day biz- basis you know yeah i will say this um mailbox money is great um but that doesn't mean you can't have a self-managing company Gotcha. There's a very big difference between okay. mailbox money and a self-managing company. I'm getting to the point right now where if I got hit by a bus, my 450 people around the country would run like clockwork. Wow. Right? I am not as important as I think I am. Yeah. And that's a good thing in my business. And I think every athlete should think that way. But to get there, you should be thinking about the people to bring on board, learning every piece of any business you get involved in. Every piece. Right? Start at the front lines and then become a manager, and then understand the numbers, and then understand the sales side. If you don't understand every piece and every dollar of where your business is going, that you're spending and then making, it's hard to run a good business. So I would focus on 
getting yourself to a point where you have great people on the on the team that you that you know a business really well, which means you're going to have to jump in for a period of time, right. and then you can build the people up under you to take over for you and free you up. Wow, that is a strong business to me. Okay, that's not mailbox money, but that's a self-managing company that's probably a hundred times more valuable than that. Absolutely, okay? and those skills are only hard fought after years of really getting your hands dirty. Our business is an owner-operated business. Um, we're very, very selective on that. We're very clear up front, which means if you're going to do this yeah. by yourself, you have to jump in and owner-operate it. You have to go around, talk to schools, connect with people. If you want to have a partner, right, that's great too. Um, but they've got to be a good one, that a good partner that knows sales, they know business, they know expenses, they have good experience, and they can jump in that they are going to be full-time. Wow. You can use your name, which is great to connect in our businesses with schools or clients. Yeah. But if you have the right partner who does have that experience and can jump in full time, right. then we'll allow that. Wow. Okay. So those are kind of our rules around it. Because I don't really care if somebody wants to buy three territories and then sit around and do nothing. That does really not much to most franchises. If they're good, they don't want that at all. Because right. that can deflate the business. That can hurt the brand. Yeah. Bad no, brand. Yeah. You're not making money. Right. Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to you're talking about learning a lot of the business acumen and the skill set, and one of the things that I love that that you launched here in town is teaching kids about business, right? Launching launching the the children's business fair. And it, it can feel overwhelming and daunting when you maybe you're sitting here listening going, I'm I'm focusing on trying to hit a 96 mile an hour fastball inside, right? Or I'm which I cannot do, <laughs> right? You know, or it's or it's you're you're trying to figure out how to you know just stay healthy and stay on the field. Yeah. And now I've got to become this business person. It, it can feel <clears throat> like this big jump. Talk to us a little bit how you're teaching kids about business and and maybe how that would translate in if if we had one of our athletes sitting right here with you. If they said, okay, Scott, I want to start today to learn, where do I start? Walk us through both of those. Yeah, and I can give a bunch of resources as well awesome. after this. That would um, be helpful. But I think where I would start is, you know, I, I said earlier that grit is the number one thing I look for in, an, in a hire, a new hire, or yeah. a franchisee. Um, I don't say an MBA. Hmm. I didn't say spend a bunch of money to get some degree somewhere. I really think that if you have a few key personality traits uh, and a few key character traits, um, perseverance, grit, integrity, great work ethic, um, yeah, and you're strong in relationships, right? And, you're, and you can be detailed when you need to be. Everyone has different personalities, but if those are sort of the key things you want to look through, um, you can easily learn the pieces of to make a business successful. You do not have to fear, um, especially not having to pay another hundred something thousand dollars to go get an MBA for three years somewhere. Right. That might be fun. And it might get you some networking, but if you really want to be kind of the master of your own future and build value and equity and long-term sustainable cash, yes, there's a few key, key skills about, I mean, it's not hard to understand Excel and a, you know, a P and L right. it's not hard to understand some core sales tips because all businesses, when you break it down, is sales and operations. That's it. Can I find something that's valuable to someone else that they'll pay me more than I paid to get it, to make right. it, right? That's it. Yeah. And the key to wealth in life is just spending less than you make, right? 
Yeah. My Dutch grandparents are richer than most <laughs> anyone listening to this podcast right? because they have been smart with that one little piece of advice Absolutely. for 85 years now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because once you hit a couple million, your means, man. the next couple million come if you're right. smart. If right. you're, you know... If your liabilities are much bigger than your assets, you're going to go downhill in the toilet quick. Yeah. Talk maybe a little bit about that, you know, is for maybe some of your operators, they've come in, they made an investment, they're operating the business. You said one of the criteria that you look at for the right partners is, is that they've got their personal life kind of in order, right? Their finances in order. How important is it that, you know, that beyond just having cash yeah. that they're making good financial decisions in their own lives and, and just the pressure is of being a business owner of yep. making sure that, that that's set up in a good way. Talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so well, my first thought as you were saying that, some really good advice I got was don't ever be afraid to have money burning a hole in your pocket for a while. Hmm. Um, I mean, I know you're a financial planner. I'm not plugging you. Yeah. But that's some of the best advice I ever got was right. sit some money in an account for, an a while, for a while, let it accrue. Don't fear that something's sitting there in a, you know, a Charles Schwab or, a, you know, whatever. Let it accrue. Let it be right. a diversified portfolio. Don't freak out if it's burning a hole in your pocket. Take time. Get that's smart. Do your, do your homework before you make a, a decision. Okay. But I would say that timing is, is important in anyone's decision to make a business. You want to make sure that your personal life is in order, that you're ready to take on a job. I mean, any business that anyone wants to start, whether it's in franchising or other, you are going to, if you're good, you are going to eat, sleep, and breathe it for the first year. <laughs> I mean, literally. Amen I, to that. Yeah. When I, I mean, Apex, for the first cut, three years, it was 80 to 100 hours a week. Right. Right? And our franchisees aren't like that because I just I went through the millions and millions of dollars of screw-ups. So they don't have to. Right. But they're still hitting the pavement, dropping by, doing the sales goals, hitting the efforts, managing the teams, like growing the business. Yeah. And so, you know, you have to make sure that your personal relationships, your family um, is on board with you, um, that they agree with it, that they're that they're um, passionate about it as well. Yeah. That they're on board. Um, and a lot of a lot of relationships I've seen um, have have a fight when one spouse or person in the relationship's like, yeah, I just put a bunch of money with this. We're good to go. And then you're not good to go because you didn't put the time into yeah. understanding it or learning it or doing it. And then you all of a sudden lose money and everyone's up in arms. How could you make such a dumb decision? So I think yeah. if you're together on something and you're both passionate about it um, and you can have a support behind you, a support system, you're much better set to do well. Yeah. Okay? Because there's no, there's no – if you're going to run your own business – it's not a nine to five thing. No. It's not. It's really not. In fact, my best work is done sometimes in the middle of the night for three hours when nobody's calling or emailing me. Man. And I love that because I can get a lot more done in three hours than nine hours in the middle of a busy work yeah. day. Because the, the world's sleeping and when it's quiet, you can work. That's you know, right. I think that's something that you mentioned maybe the the company reaching around 450 employees or, or people you know nationwide. people yeah, nationwide. got 100 franchisees now so 100 franchisees yeah. talk about that because the fact that you said it's a self-managed organization to get it to that point is incredible because being a, a business owner myself um, dealing with people has got to be one of the most difficult things. And it's a completely different skill set than, yeah. hey, that's great. You can sell something. Or even if you can operate something, 
talk about dealing with the people thing. You're a yeah. leadership company. So um, yep. how do you train leaders? <laughs> That's the million-dollar question. <laughs> um, yeah, people are number one, I think, in any business. Okay. Um, if you're trying to find a widget business, good luck. Because it's probably going to become automated by Facebook or Google in the next year, and you're out of you're out of luck. Right. So yeah, people are number one. Um, I think we do a lot to um, learn the personalities of our employees. We hire for the right fit. Um, we hire slow uh, and we fire quickly, um, and we really build our people. I think if you're looking, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about hiring people, you have to think about it as an investment, not an expense. Hmm. Bringing on people is an investment, not an expense. Because my goal with everybody that I bring on is that they're going to set me free by doing something better than me. And sometimes that's not the case, but there's a lot of things that I can do that somebody else could easily do just as good, if not better than me. Right. And so a lot of it is finding what my unique ability is, what's my biggest value added to the company, which is also something I would love to do every day if I wake up, right. and getting everything else off my plate and delegating it away or automating it in my yeah. business. So that's really one of the core steps to becoming a self-managing company is delegating or automating the things that you either don't like or don't want to do right. or maybe you're doing them for now but only for a little while. And so everybody we bring on, like here's a great example. I am a, we do disc personality assessments. Okay. Dominant, I was going to ask what you use. Interpersonal, safe, cautious. Everyone has a different skill set. Um, or in personality, how they deal in teams is what that is. So okay. I'm a high, high D, dominant, go-getter, ready, fire, aim kind of you know thinking. But I also have, I, I'm a chameleon. I can do the interpersonal side. I love people, but then I crash at night when, when I'm done with the party. <laughs> I can do that. I'm a really detailed guy, checklist guy, because I know that that's what makes things successful in a business transaction, right. especially in a two-week program like what we put on. You got to be detailed, or, or have somebody who's really good at detail. Right. However, we have an incredible admin team around me. I've got four admins around me that are highly detailed, um, highly safe, cautious thinkers. They got the planning side. They'll make sure to set the meeting. They'll hmm. around me to protect and also help me run with what I'm good at. Right. And so that's really what makes a, a, an incredible team. We have. People of all, you know, based on the job position we need to fill, somebody who's perfect in that position, but also with the rest of the team, they can fill that, you know, the holes in the gap, right? Yeah. So that's big for us in creating that self-managing team. And so I actually, I would love it if everybody in school could learn the type of communication to all types of personalities. That would be, that creates emotional intelligence, yes. right? Talking to a high D Versus somebody who's interpersonal versus someone who's safe and cautious versus someone who's like a checklist person only right. is a completely different conversation. Yes. And so many people don't understand that. Yeah. And the best leaders, they're incredible with it. Are there some tools that you could point the listeners to of at least tools that you guys use? You mentioned the DISC assessment. Yeah. How about just training leadership? Are there any books that you give employees? Are there programs you put them through? You know, yeah. what would you talk, and this is more really talking to the other CEOs and, and founders that are listening in. Yeah, we have, we have a, training is huge. Okay. Um, we are big on training. We have a huge training initial checklist for any new franchisee. Um, we have a fully automated, but also with a, a direct report to help you train in any piece of our program. And we've got 300 videos. Oh my goodness. For training right now. Um, not all of them for every position, but for different right. types of positions. We're big on training. 
Um, but in terms of resources, I think anything disc related is great. Okay. Um, we also do a lot of um, podcasts are great, like what we're on right yeah. now. Um, I listen to several different podcasts, whether it's about sales, um, emotional intelligence, yeah. how I built this is also a fun one. I mean, yeah. I'm kind of a Tim Ferriss nut sometimes of too. Course. Tools for Titans. We've talked about that book. Yeah. There's a really boring book that's my favorite book besides the Bible. It's called um, No Nonsense Management. Yeah. It's a 30-year-old book by some old lawyer guy, and it's 160 pages long with 160 chapters. Yeah. Very simple stuff. Here's what you do in this position. Here's how you can talk to somebody if this happens in your business. Here's how to manage. Here's how to think through a strategic issue. I mean, it's, I have mine so chalked up. Yeah, it was, it was a recommendation you made to, to us close to probably a year ago. And it, it's funny, we, we ordered it on Amazon. And sure enough, it's this used old book. Yep. And, uh, but it has. It, it, and I think that that's the, you know, the truth and, and wisdom that stands the test of time. And I think it's the communication thing. And so much of what we've learned with our employees is giving them clarity of understanding of what their roles and responsibilities yep. are and how that connects to why it's important, yep. right? Is, is you're giving them a vision of, of, you know, why their job matters. And I think yep. that, that book is, it's so funny cause it's not sexy. It's not going to be right. on the New York times bestseller. It's brown. It is. It's, it's ugly. <laughs> it's ugly. It is. But man, it, it's, right. it's been a, it's been a blessing to, to our company. So I'm glad that, that you shared that. Um, any, any business relationship yeah. thrives when you have crystal clear expectations and goals that both people agree on. Yeah. And when you keep, um, accountability to those goals. So check-ins, how can I help? How do we fall short? Where can we, what can we change? How can we get better? Clear expectations and clear accountability are the best business partnerships, um, business relationships to an employee, to an employer, um, in our franchising world. That's, we try to keep everything as crystal clear as possible. That is probably the best relationship in business you can have when those two things are clear. And then obviously like the why you're talking about. Yeah. No one cares about the what and how of a business. Yeah. The, the why is the heart of it. Yeah. Um, Simon Sinek has this great video about the why more important than the what and the how. How Apple cared about the why of, of doing what they do Absolutely. way more than the what or the how. Versus maybe Microsoft, who's big on, we're big on software. That's the what and the how. But people are like, yeah, but what's the heart behind it? Right. Apple's like, we want to make visually beautiful products that are easy to use. Yeah. We just happen to make great computers. And by the way, because we care about the why, we're also making great iPhones and iPods and iPads and now cloud yeah. services and watches. Yeah. They started with the why. And so everybody who came to Apple agreed on the why. They were passionate about the why. Yeah. So Apex, we believe in the why that every kid is going to change the world in a powerful way. Beautiful. Right? And so anyone who believes in that vision and that passion, to, and we want to build them into the next generation of leaders. Yeah. And they, we attract people because of that. The right. what and the how is now taken the form of a fun run or a you know a middle school color battle or an right. anything. But the why is what sticks yeah. us all together. And I, I relate that so much back to when we were athletes, right? Of it, you had this goal of wanting to win or perform or to make a certain team or for these yep. guys, it's to be an all star, to be a hall of famer. Is there's this vision that's driving them. 
And that's why they wake up at 6 a.m. and they eat a certain way and they train a certain way is is that's all a means to an end, right? And I think so often we forget to highlight what that vision is and to light that fire inside of people. So yep. it's it's so good for them to hear. Is talking about goals and leaderships one of the things that I loved when I was when I was doing a little uh, life research on you is you put it out there talking about you said you have 72 goals and, and this is on your <laughs> your LinkedIn profile. So I mean uh, yeah. you you're a, a, a hilarious guy so I know there's probably a little bit of that in there but I also know you're you're a guy who lives life on purpose and two of them really stuck out to me and it seems like one you you've probably already accomplished through the number of uh, kids that you've helped but first you wanted to own a business that employs 100 people and then own a business that helps 100,000 people and I know those aren't just uh, so you can check it off and say I'm great you know what is that driving force of why that's so important to employ people and to help others I'm surprised I got to update those goals yeah yeah you've crushed I, I, those goals yeah whoops yeah, yeah now it's uh I think it's a thousand people and, and 10 million wow um to serve um but yeah I think goals are huge for me just because I always want to have something to look forward to yeah. and hit ahead um, but I don't ever, this is important because a lot of people are, they live life unsatisfied hmm. because all they think about is an ideal, like an ideal ahead of them that they're trying to reach a goal, a perfect, a perfection image of themselves in the future. And they always measure forward towards that ideal and they're never happy in the present. Wow. Only if I would get this extra deal, only if I would make this extra million, only if I would have the X amount of this blah, 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 blah. Right. The best way to go about it is to have high goals, but measure backwards. Hmm. So I would want, I want to measure, like I want to have this ideal. I have an ideal of myself, who I want to be, the husband, the father, the businessman, the friend, right? The son, the brother. Yeah. Um, but I always want to measure backwards because from where I came six months ago, a year ago, five years ago, right? I, I've come incredibly far. I've yeah. made incredible strides and I'm extremely proud and thankful and blessed. And I want to be resting in that and celebrate and ha- those wins. Yeah, celebrate those wins. Not just, I mean, I, everyone hopefully listening to this would, would feel this feeling of, you know, when you get that big accomplishment or achievement or the deal gets hit and the money hits the bank account or you sign something or you win the big game, it's like a great high for a second and then you're immediately on to the next one. Like, what's the bigger one? Correct. You know, when I fir- made my first uh, $10,000 deal, I was like, oh my gosh, but I need 100 yeah. When I made my first hundred, I got my. I was like, okay, where's the five hundred? Okay, now where's the million? Yeah. Now where's the five million? Right now, I'm like, if I don't get an eight figure deal out of all this, I'm gonna be pissed. Right. That's a life that I struggled with for a long time. That's a mm-hmm. life of just unhappiness. Wow. And dissatisfaction and discomfort too. Yeah. Looking backwards, being like, oh my gosh, look how far we've come. Look how much, how many people we've been able to help. Look how. Man, I, I found an incredible woman, and I have incredible friends, right. and I have an incredible network of people who love me, right? Look back and be thankful for where you've come. Yeah. That's huge um, when it comes to setting goals and setting a plan for yourself. Man, that's gold. So That is gold. So kind of staying on that, and, and we're closing in on time here. want to be respectful uh, of what you've already given us. But a few questions that, that we're asking everybody, and, and you already shared one was, you know, you mentioned your favorite book, but is there a book that you would gift most most often to somebody or, you know, 
give us a few of your favorites. Yeah, so we mentioned Tools for Titans. That's a, I love that book. Um, no nonsense management. I give gift that more than anyone. Um, there's another one that's great uh, by the um, head of people at Google. Okay. Called Work Rules. Interesting. Not rules as in like a bunch of rules, but rules as in like this is awesome. Work rules. Yeah. Uh, it's a big yellow book. I okay. love that uh, book. Uh, his last name is Block. Okay. Um, incredible book. I love that. Um, just talks about culture, um, really setting up an environment. It doesn't have to be about beanbags and see-through walls and yeah. stuff. Um, it's really the type of people you attract and how you set up the, a culture that lasts for decades. I love that book because I'm a big culture guy. One of my number one jobs right now is building our culture hmm. and, and really celebrating the right things in our business and encouraging people at the right time in the right yeah. place. So that's a great book on culture. Um, I love, um, oh, I, I just escaped me. What was it? Oh, if I think about it, I'll, I'll email it to you. Yeah, it it had to do with, um, uh, oh, sales. That's what it is. Okay. So anyone who listens to this about sales, uh, there's a book called Traction. Traction. That really changed the way we do business. Wow. I read it a couple years ago. It's by the guys who created DuckDuckGo. It's like a search engine competitor yeah. to, yeah, to they're Google. The, the EOS implementer guys. Yes. I think Rocket Fuel's their other book. Yep. yep. I love that book because it's so practical. It basically says there's 19 main categories to sell anything. Wow. And in every industry and in every product or service, there's probably three that work great and 15 that stink. Wow. But you don't know what the three are until you try them. And so it basically it creates like a bullseye framework where you just do a test in every single one and see what hits and see what doesn't. Anything from pay-per-clicks to impressions to conferences to podcasts to door-to-door to you name it. Yeah. And so it's really cool to help you think through the best way to market your product or service. Wow. So I love the word. It's yeah. called Traction. It's, okay. it's also a big yellow book. Maybe yeah. I'm just attracted to yeah. the, the big yellow the books. Big yellow books. Yeah. yeah. And for the for the audience listening, we'll make sure that that links to all of these are in the show notes, so people can and go and check them out. Kind of next question: If you were to give advice to a smart, driven athlete who's in that transitioning from closing out their career and and interested in jumping into the business world, um, what advice would you give them? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, I would definitely say uh, you're going to get a lot of people who want to use you, hmm. um, who want to connect you to what they're doing. Uh, and I, I've experienced that. I've had close friends that are professionals. Very, some of my best friends uh, were pros for a long time. It happened the moment you make money or you have your face out there or you have more than... 10,000 followers anywhere. Um, People are going to want to use that for their own ends. Um, And I think you just have to have a a good, close group of people around you to advise that you can trust um, because they're going to come from everywhere. And so I would say the best thing to do is take your time, take a breath, um, get get your current assets and your life in order. I mean, just the simple stuff. Where's my money being managed? Do I have a will? Do I have a trust? Do I have you know things set up around me to where I can prepare myself to then jump into the right opportunity? You should never be putting, you know, everyone has their own percentage, but I would say you know more than a quarter of your full assets, you should not invest in something crazy. Some people it's ten percent, some people it's fifty, but the number varies. But I think yeah. 
if it's more than you feel comfortable letting go of completely, if like as if it goes to zero, you probably shouldn't put that in any sort of a risky investment. You yeah. should be smart about what you want to do. Then, what do you care about? Go back to what I said at the very beginning. Yeah. What do you love to do? What are your best skills, which aren't always the same? Right. And then what are the biggest needs in the world? Okay, because this is, we already talked about the why, but what are the biggest needs in the world to you? I mean, if you really care, what, when, you, when you wake up in the morning and you look at the news, not the sports news, the news, what are the things that you just, they irk you? Or you find yourself reading them, or you all of a sudden, or you spend 45 minutes reading a bunch of articles related to this specific topic or issue, because it's fascinating, or it's a big need in the world. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff you should listen to. Yeah. And then what is your flow time? I call it flow time. Where's, what's something where you go seven hours and you forget to pee or eat, Yeah, you know? And all of a sudden you're like looking up, yeah. like, where did the day go? Where did the night go? Because right. I spent so much time doing this project or this, you know, reading up on this or thinking through this. Yeah. What was your flow time where you just feel like you lose all track of time because you're so focused and energized by what you're doing? Yeah. Those things would be a great indicator of what you want to get into. Yeah. Okay. Man, that's that's gold. You you started to hit on it just even, you know, limiting to 25% to an alternative investment type world. Um, for you, obviously, you, you run a franchise model. You love it. But just taking a step back, when you think of investing, walk us through your framework of how yeah. you think. Think about investments, make investments. Oh, you're going to love this. That's, yeah. When I get up in the morning, <laughs> four guys are shaving. Okay? Oh, boy. Four guys are shaving. I'm not kidding. There's me, the guy who's running Apex, right? That's yeah. the bulk of my assets right now because it's the biggest growing, most value-added business that I'm spending my time on. Right. But my real estate holdings guy is also shaving. And he's going to go to work today and he's going to see what kind of day he's having. Yeah. So we buy Tax lien, I'm you know, I partnered with another guy we both know together. Yep. We do real estate together. I have two other guys who manage some of my money to do real estate investing. Yeah. Okay. So I've got four or five different deals there that I don't really focus on. It's that's the point. It's passive for me. Those guys are that's that guy's going to work too. The other guy's going to work in the stock market. Right. right? I have a diversified portfolio being managed all across nine different types of investments that I'm not really thinking about during the day, but that right. guy's waking up and going to work too. Right. Right? The fourth guy is doing some more higher, you know, I did buy into Bitcoin last April yeah. with $10,000 <laughs> for fun. Okay? Yeah. That guy's going to work. He's a little jumpy. He's yeah. a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to work because I ended up making five times my money back. Right. And then I sold three three times my money. And then I lost the other half because it went down again. Right. That guy's speculative. He's, he's doing a small percentage of my assets right. in riskier investments that I believe in. I'm yeah. also involved in a biotech company that I really believe could cure cancer. Fantastic. And I really care about that because I've had close family and friends that have had it and died from it. And so yeah. I have some of my risky investments in uh, an investment that could go 10x. It could go to 0x. Right. Okay. But that guy's shaving in the morning too. Right? And there's other ones I won't mention, but that's the point. That's how I look yeah. at investing. I'm diversified, but I'm also focused yeah. in where I'm putting my time. Yeah. Okay? And for me, like, a, if you really want passive, it's zero thinking. Because hmm. thinking is all you really have at the end of the day. Because at a certain amount of money, okay, and we all have our number, but at, at a certain amount of money, your, your time is more valuable than your money. Amen. Once you're making a certain amount of money. So for me, 
Passive means zero thinking. Right. And so I want to focus wholeheartedly on what I'm doing yeah. today and building value in this today. Yeah. So kind of going back to the very beginning where we started is you had mentioned that um, you love to learn, but you love to learn from practitioners, people that have that have proven success in it. Yeah. This is one of the biggest areas of mistakes that not only athletes, but just people in general make is they say, Hey Scott, I, I love what you're, you're in private real estate. I love that you're doing tax liens. Guess what? You know, my cousin or my buddy or my uncle or my dad, um, you know, they're going to get into this game and do it. Talk about the warnings of making sure, you know, you're hiring experts and then yeah. just maybe even your mindset around risk. Yeah. Um, Okay, now I'm going to put on my realist glasses, okay? Sometimes I say offensive things. Yes. Do not get offended when I'm about to say. Yes, please defend I, us. Uh, I am a strong Christian. Yeah. I, Jesus is my man. I love him, and I, I believe in Christian values and ethics, and I am a strong Christian. Yeah. I have been burned by Christians more than anybody in the business world at times. Unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the yeah. case. Someone says, hey, I'm a Christian too. Awesome. God bless you. Can we get a contract? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the same is true with friends and family. If someone comes up to you because you were buddies in high school or you were friends at a bar, if they come up to you with the next biggest thing, take a deep breath, say, that's awesome. Hey, I've got a guy who looks over every penny I spend yep. and he's the guy who kind of is my front runner to decide. I do this. We do this with our donations as well. We have somebody who, so, good. so when someone, everyone comes up to us, hey, can you give $1,000 this? Can you give $10,000 this? Well, our trust, that's a great idea. I love that. Our trust is managed by such and such company or this guy. He, he's our front runner to think through everything and make the best decisions for our, our finances. I'll connect you. Awesome. That's a great way for you not to just look at someone in the face and say, no way, you're crazy and I don't trust you. Right. It's a great sort of pass off. It's like the good cop, bad cop. Yes. That's great advice I would give to anybody if you have money to burn or you have a, you want to make a plan for leaving sports the athletic world yeah. have that backstop right the front runner who can think through I'll help you with your assets and then when you do make the investment double check who they are do they have a track record have they made good money do they have do they check out right yeah. those are all the things you got to be able to do to put your money with somebody else yeah. okay and i've made the bad decisions too right yeah. I, like I said earlier, I never sold Apex, but we, we had a few franchises when we started okay. franchising that I couldn't run the growing franchisor and these couple franchises. So we sold these couple franchises for millions of dollars. It was crazy. I was 27 years old, multimillionaire. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Three and a half months later, I won't get into all the details, but basically they went berserk and they fired everybody and tried to sue us to get everything back. It went nuts. It was, it was crazy. And we, I remember us sitting around and basically we're like, you know, we had the, they were the complete wrong people. We didn't know a ton about their background. We didn't um, check them enough. And they were willing to go crazy and blow the whole thing up just to try to get out of this. And when it was a great business, but they had some personal stuff going on that we didn't wow. know about. And so I made the miserable hard call of giving them all the money back, taking it the whole business back, making sure my 25 friends that were working in the business were still working with Apex. Yeah. It was probably the hardest, one of the hardest business decisions I've ever made, going Man. from multimillionaire to broke again a few months later. Yeah. And my partners, they used their money to buy off houses and pay back loans, so I yeah. covered them too. We basically went to nothing. And I will tell you this, it was extremely painful, but I learned some valuable lessons, right? I learned how to check people, how to think through a business deal, 
Um, you know, trust but verify is one of my yeah. favorite uh, comments from, I think it was FDR, Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. Um, but also, we cared so much about the business and we had a passion for Apex that when we took it back, I mean, it's been rewarded 50 times over. Right. Because those employees are more loyal now than ever. The yep. business has grown 50 times since then. Yep. Just four years, three, four years ago, five years ago. So that is what I'm realizing about we are making the decision people over profits day in and day out and that loyalty is being rewarded. So I, will, I would make that decision a million times over even though now I'm that cliche 20-something that made yeah. money and lost it all and went broke. Yeah. So I'll no. wear that notch with pride because I learned a lot. Yeah. Right? We learned so much more, it seems, from our failures and our struggles, you know, than a lot of times our successes. Yeah. Um, well, really, last question, and, and we'll wrap up. Really appreciate, you know, all the, all the knowledge you've been dropping on us is um, what's the one best – investment that you've made and it doesn't have to be with money it apex be time effort. yeah no no, no yeah. sorry finish no but. no that's obviously apex you know but thinking of yeah the the one best investment of money time effort if you can't mention apex obviously yeah, you've yeah, yeah. built this incredible business um well and i'm i'm biased because yes. i you know i started it but i would say it is an incredible investment in terms yeah. of not just money. I mean, we have a great return timeline. We, well, I just had someone sell their territory for a dozen times. I mean, wow. like it's a huge win if yeah. you are the right person for the job. Gotcha. But it's a return to me, and I think this is maybe what you're getting at. A yep. return to me is much more than money, right? Like I consider Apex as an incredible investment, right? Yeah. But I also consider diversified portfolios and real estate holding. Those are also great investments. But to me, a good investment is something that I can put my name to it. Hmm. Okay. Not only was it a great financial return, but I can put my name and my reputation and my integrity on the line for that business, for that job, right? That is an incredible return as well. To take pride, to take true pride in what you've been able to build and grow, I think has, has more reward than anything financial could ever do for me. So it's not just the money. Okay. That's fine. Okay. But for me, it's really about I was able to leverage um, something with my own hands that has such incredible value for the community, yeah. for millions of kids, for you know millions of parents now. And like we getting, I got a letter from a parent that was three pages long about how our program had transformed the life of their kid. Man, that who had never, they had never treated their sibling with respect or kindness. They actually were the other child was extremely quiet, didn't talk in school. And then when we came to school, the kid went nuts. The second grader, this girl. She raised her hand and she was talking in class for the first time ever. And Beautiful. then her son was being more selfless than he'd ever thought wow. possible. So this, like that stuff to me is worth its weight in gold, right. right? So the best return, I could say, is finding something where not only it's a good financial win, right. but it's something you love, that you care about, that, that serves other people. Because that's the greatest reward you can get is when you're serving other people and they're thankful for what you do. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. That's Philanthropreneurship. That is, is our coined term for this. It's it's gold. I mean, it, it's the impact investing. I think we talk with yep. so many of our, our founders and, and our athletes is, to your point, we all have our own number. Um, but there's been the happiness project uh, that that's shown, right, somewhere around 70000 $70,000. Incrementally, every extra dollar is not really going to bring you much more joy. So right. I think it, it really is that su- 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 success significance conversation of going, 
what is the significance behind it? We, we've been blessed to be a blessing. How do we raise all tides? And, you know, yeah. with the athlete and the, the founders have such platforms yeah. um, to really do good in this world. And I think, yep. you know, you're once again a beautiful model that, that you can have great financial success and help a ton of people, you yep. know, so it's, it's a great thing before I let you go. Um, if our audience would like to reach out to you, especially to learn more about, um, apex and, and the franchise opportunities, what's the easiest way for them to, to reach out? Is it website, Twitter, Instagram, you yeah. know, what, what is it? Um, I think just connect with us personally. Okay. Um, you can go to apexleadershipco.com. Um, and learn a lot more about us. Um, you can send me a personal email, Scott at apexleadershipco.com, and I'll connect you with the right people. Uh, or my admin <laughs> who reads a bunch of emails <laughs> yeah. will connect you. I try to do all nice. of myself, but if it's overloaded, then they definitely help me. Um, but yeah, connect personally, and we'd love to. We always love having a uh, conversation because then you can find out a lot more about people and if it's a great fit. And you know, we're. We are not, I don't like salesy. It feels like an infection when someone's too salesy. Yeah. So I'm really big on just like asking questions is because this is a partnership. Franchising is a partnership. It's not yeah. sales. We don't sell anything to anybody. They are awarded a territory if they're the right fit. Right. So we just want to have a conversation if it's the right fit for somebody. Yeah. And if not, we'll pass you on to what we think might be a right fit. Yeah. That's so. great. Well, thank you once again. This has been fantastic. Um, thank you. Yeah. Lots of knowledge. Loved it. And thank you very much. Glad cool. to be here. Thank you so much for listening to the Athlete CEO Podcast. I hope you enjoyed our show today and are ready to take action on the advice from today's episode. Our goal with the Athlete CEO Podcast is to make it the go-to resource for athletes and entrepreneurs looking to take their game to the next level. Love the show? You have any suggestions on how we can improve? We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, tweet, and share your thoughts. We do our best to read every single one. We'll see you next week with another world-class episode.